Hello, and welcome to 7-Minute Opinions, your audio guide to the most thought-provoking arguments from the week's writers and thinkers. I'm Paul Waldman, a contributing writer, and today I'd like to talk to you about America's relationship with guns. First, let's go back to where all this started, the Second Amendment. When the Founding Fathers wrote and debated the Constitution, and the idea of a right to bear arms came up, they weren't thinking about guns as an everyday tool. That's clear because the Second Amendment puts guns in the context of a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. And you also have to remember that firearm technology was so different then. If a ruffian tried to steal a sack of grain from your barn, it wouldn't do much good to say to him, Stand fast, you vile rogue, whilst I pack my musket and prepare to deliver a ball of lead to your thieving hindquarters. But, in the time since, we've made a national bargain on the issue of guns. When it comes to all of our basic rights, we actually make bargains all the time. We tolerate one thing we might not like in exchange for something we want. We want a society in which everyone is free to say what they believe. So we accept that having that society means we'll have to tolerate speech we find repellent. We want to have a criminal justice system where every accused person is innocent until proven guilty. So we accept that it sometimes means a guilty person will go free. In the simplest terms, our bargain on guns says that we want a society in which individuals can own guns, and we accept that there's some measure of danger in making that right nearly universal. Now, you or I might not actually agree with either part of that bargain, but it's the one we made, and remade collectively. So let's take stock of what we're paying, and whether we still like the bargain we struck. The price for the right to own a gun is, in the simplest terms, the number of deaths those guns cause. In 2013, that number was more than 33,000 gun deaths, or around 92 a day. Of those, about one-third were homicides, the rest were accidents and suicides, which become far more likely when there's a gun in the home. And you might agree that 92 Americans dying each and every day from gun violence is a reasonable price to pay for what people get out of guns. That benefit could be the enjoyment of shooting them, owning them, and thinking about them, the increased sense of safety they get from them, or the feeling of potency they get from being armed. Or you might not agree. But we shouldn't forget for a moment that those 92 dead Americans each and every day is the cost. There are other similar bargains we make. Car accidents kill about the same number of people as guns, but we agree that modern life as we know it would be almost impossible without the automobile. We've improved safety features and discouraged and punished drunk driving to bring that cost down. However, most of us are willing to say that it is indeed a terrible toll, but the benefits outweigh the costs. On other issues of public safety, we act very differently. When it came to terrorism, we decided that to forestall even the tiniest chance of an attack, we would make all kinds of alterations to our lives. We'd allow the government to track our phone calls, submit to all manner of absurd requests when boarding planes, or spend hundreds of billions of dollars on a secretive new security state. That all happened because 3,000 Americans died. By comparison, it takes about a month for 3,000 Americans to be killed by gunfire. Someday, I would like to hear just one gun advocate admit that yes, 33,000 gun deaths a year is an acceptable price to pay for guns. Said out loud, it sounds unspeakably selfish and cruel, but it would be the truth. Of course, gun advocates won't admit that. They've convinced themselves not only that guns have nothing to do with people being killed by guns, but that the answer to people being killed by guns is actually more guns. 
And sure, it would be sane to argue that, for example, a particular shooter might have been stopped sooner if one trained person with a gun were there to fire back. But that argument is taken to an insane level when gun advocates suggest that we'd all be safer if as many people as possible were armed all the time. If gun advocates were correct in their claim that the more guns there are in circulation, the safer everyone is, then America would be the safest advanced country on Earth. But of course we aren't. Among highly developed countries, we have both the highest rates of gun ownership and the highest rates of homicide, precisely the opposite of what gun advocates would predict. But those gun advocates will not be swayed. And the depressing reality is that when even advocates of gun safety are pushing for only the most modest measures, like universal background checks, we're almost certainly going to have many more mass shootings, many more accidental shootings, and many more homicides. You could stop every gun sale tomorrow, and we would still be swimming in guns, over 300 million of them. We made our bargain, and this is where we've come. And that does it for this week's episode of 7 Minute Opinions. Look out for more new episodes every Tuesday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. For more from this series or any of the week's podcasts, including 7 Minute Explainers and This Week I Learned, go to theweek.com audio. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, tell your friends, or give us a rating or a review on iTunes. I'm Paul Waldman, and thanks so much for listening. <laughs>